You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Just want to say thanks to everybody who's making us a part of your afternoon here. Hopefully uh, the work day hasn't been too bad. I know down here in Tennessee, the weather's great. Uh, we're running in the 60s today, but don't blink because I think tomorrow they're calling for snow. So, um, and it's funny how that works out, right? But um, yeah, so on today's show, we've got a lot of stuff to cover. And um, I'm just going to be 100% upfront with you guys. Uh, <clears throat> when it comes to the offseason, and typically anything I do podcast-wise, um, anything I do in life, really, you know, I try to observe the masses and do the opposite. And right now, everything is just like mock draft mayhem, right? If you go onto Twitter, you go on Facebook, any of the, the fan groups that you're in, <clears throat> you know, everybody's throwing out their mock draft. And there's nothing wrong with that, first of all. I don't want you to think I'm one of those – uh, podcasters slash fans, you know, whatever that that's all anti-mock draft. As a matter of fact, I don't understand the person who gets upset with people doing mock drafts. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you know, they're jumping, oh, my God, here's another mock draft. Hey, hey unfollow them, dude. Like, why? It, I don't – once your team's eliminated, you've got some folks that are just kind of like, uh, it, it ain't even – it ain't even, uh, you know, uh, February yet. Y'all already talking draft. You're going to burn me out, this and that. Okay, well, dude, just don't tag along. Don't listen. <laughs> it's that simple. But, um, you know, me personally, I like to approach it a little bit different. I try to see everything through the eyes of the front office, okay? First of all, the front office was worried about the draft all year long, okay? They were – uh, you know, picking through and, and going through scouting reports. The scouts are just combing the country for information. They still are, um, you know, but from the front office perspective right now, I think what they're doing is roster evaluation. You've got your exit interviews. You know, it was reported and we talked about how, um, you know, they uh, they were doing all their exit interviews and, and Aaron Rodgers was meeting with the front office for, you know, the next two days. You know, Pat McAfee talked about that now. Um, you know, Pat knows as well as anyone that that wasn't going to lead to a decision right now, you know, 99% of the time, right? But it's an opportunity for Aaron to go in. I would say on the first day they did his exit interview, which is basically here's how you played. Here's what the team did. Um, what did you like? What did you not like? Everything they, they ask every single player. And then they typically give players stuff that, hey, look, I personally feel like with the early information we have right now, here's what we need to work on. Here's the goal for next year. If indeed they're slam dunk back on the roster, they may say, look, let's let, let's get you to chimp, uh, trim down a little bit. You know, they probably did that with Kenny Clark. We were all surprised when he rolled into camp, but those conversations take place immediately following the season. So you've got a lot of that going on. But also I would say in day two with that meeting with Rodgers, it was probably what's your deadline on decide, deciding on retirement. And number two, um, you know, if, if you're leaning towards coming back, what's your input on the roster? Um, now, I know there's a lot of people that are angry hearing me say that right now, <laughs> right? And we know why, and that's okay. That's your opinion. But that's what's probably going on. I'm going to tell you what's not going on. 
What's not going on is the front office sat down with Rodgers and said, hey, dude, look, you had a down year. You had a down year, bro. We may trade you. Okay, so just be ready for that. That did not happen. Okay, and there's a lot of people going, oh, is he going to is he going to request a trade? Are they going to trade him? Am I saying a trade is is not possible? Absolutely not. Anything's possible in the NFL. Right. And isn't it funny that the people who claim that the salary cap is real or is fake or is in between or is whatever their opinion is. Right. One second, it's he's killing our salary cap. And. There's no way we can trade him. And then the next second is, well, if we trade him, get a little bit of compensation. Well, I, hold up a minute. I thought you I thought you said we couldn't trade him. Now you're saying we can trade him? Well, yeah, it's just going to hurt the cap. Okay, I thought you were saying our cap was ruined. Like you, you've got so many people speaking out of both sides of their mouth right now. And that's okay. Fan how you want to fan, you know. But I just think it's important. Do me a favor, guys, please. I, I, I'm begging everyone listening to my voice right now because I had to do this several years ago. And, and I finally came to the realization and accepted the fact of what the salary cap is. It's not fake, but it's not as doom and gloom as some might, you know, think. And dates are very, very important, very important. But I want you to write down right now what's being said. Just throw it in your notepad on your phone. Um, you know, it's okay for you to take your fan level, your, your, your fanning to the next level. You know, maybe set a goal this offseason. You know, one thing I want to understand more about the game is this aspect right here. And just start jotting down notes when people are tweeting stuff, when, when you know, blue checks are reporting things. And just start, start a little log. Because I started doing that several years ago, and that's how I got to the point where I am with the salary cap. You know, we were talking about how the Packers are going to be $2 million in surplus, right? Oh, two million in surplus coming into, the, coming into the season, but, man, there's some big decisions to be made and this and that, right? Well, you know, according to Spotrack, they're 14 million over the cap now. Oh my God, what happened? What are we going to do? You sign your futures contracts, and then we're going to talk about how Elton Jenkins's contract applies to that scenario as well. Because when we were talking about that surplus, that was before Jenkins was re-signed. The same people, <laughs> the same people, some of some of the same people were screaming. Our cap is ruined. We've kicked the can down the road too much, blah, blah, blah. Then they signed Elton Jenkins to a $16 million per year on average contract for your extension. And everybody was like, oh, it's a great deal on Elton. I'm going, I thought we were out of money, guys. What, what happened? <laughs> right? All I'm saying, I don't mean to be, you know, a, a smart aleck in talking about this, but just start jotting these things down. And it's not to dunk on people. It's not to pull it up and go, ha ha, I told you so. Look, here is your tweet. But it's just so you can get a true understanding that when this rolls back around next year and they all start again, you can go, Hark, they did this last year. They did this the, the year before. They did this year before that. And everything was fine contractually. Here's the big deal in my eyes. You want to get better as a team, period. That's the overall goal. And that's the thing that nobody, not nobody, that's the thing those people don't talk about. The goal shouldn't be how pretty can we make the cap. The goal should be how do we make our football team better? Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Like the cap matters. Yes, the future matters. Absolutely. But you notice nobody was talking about the cap situation when the second quarter of the season came along and we started getting our butts handed to us. It was, I can't believe we moved forward with this roster. Okay, what happened to the cap, right? And then when we went on the positive run, 
right, in that last quarter of the season, or partially, it was kind of the last third of the season, I guess you could say, nobody was worried about the cap. And it was all the rosters doing great. And then the second they get beat by Detroit by a field goal, I must add, (laughs) it wasn't like they got blown out, although a loss is a loss. And that's the way I look at it. I really do. I look at it like, you know, blowouts are going to happen. They're going to come along. But the goal is to make sure your team is competitive and give yourself a chance. And I personally feel like a coaching staff should be able to make that difference. Not one player, while he's getting hit in the mouth, on a play where all of the routes are covered up. I'm not going to insert any names, right? But anyway, <laughs> um, so with all that being said, let's look at the roster from um, not necessarily a contractual standpoint, but just an overall roster evaluation. And and we're going to kind of go through. And what I did was as I did this, I, I listed questions, okay? I listed questions out next to some some players, which are questions that we need to keep up with and we basically need an answer to this offseason as soon as possible, right? So that's kind of how I look at this stage in the game. We're still far away from free agency. We're still far away from the draft, right? Um, there's a lot of things that you 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 basically have to identify the questions before you can find the answers. And I feel like if you identify the questions or we use this time frame right here, you know, before free agency starts, before the combine, before all that, um, then – it gives us great material that other people probably aren't talking about right now. So that's what I mean by observe the masses, do the opposite. That's just kind of how I look at things. So with all that being said, let's start off the top, though. I do want to hit on a few things that's been talked about. Uh, potential coaching hires. And you're probably going, we've got a full coaching staff. Nobody got fired. Exactly. But there's a couple names out there that's been tossed around a lot. And I just want to give my input real quick. I'm not going to try to make any predictions. That's the one thing I did not want this podcast to become is Clayton Bailey's predictions on what he thinks is going to happen. What I want to do is present you, bring you the news, bring you the the talking points, kind of identify both sides, and then let you guys decide and give feedback and decide, okay, yeah, well, I think they should go in this direction. Okay, awesome. And as long as people are respectful, it's a great conversation. If you're disrespectful, I'm going to pretend like you don't exist. That's just me personally. You can – you know, handle that however you want. But potential coaching hires, number one name, Nathaniel Hackett. Okay, Nathaniel Hackett obviously was the offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. He was not the play caller to the best of my knowledge. He may have called plays at times, but I believe uh, Matt LaFleur was the play caller. Uh, some of you are going, no, Aaron Rodgers is the play caller. Okay, I guess Aaron Rodgers is walking to the sideline cussing himself out when a bad call is made, but I don't understand how that works, nor am I going to try. So, um, Nathaniel Hackett was the inventor of the gold zone. You guys remember, you know, basically those uh, back-to-back MVP years there, Nathaniel Hackett, I believe he was there for both years, if I remember correctly. I don't want to go too far back. I'm, I'm very forward-thinking um, outside of huge historical aspects, which I do want to mention. I've had uh, several people ask me about the history segments. They're coming, I promise you. W- when we hit a point where I'm like, man, ain't got much to talk about today, I'm going to hit on history. And I have got some good stuff, one of which dates all the way back to the 1800s. I did some digging when I was in Green Bay. My wife came through in the clutch and got me some material in my hands that actually uh, proves the stuff that I was hearing and and, and seeing as far as landmarks and things. And it's going to be really, really cool. We're going to go even uh, a little bit further back from Curly Lambeau for at least one of our segments, maybe a few of them. So that's that's really exciting. So for those of you who asked, it's coming, I promise. But um, Nathaniel Hackett. 
offensive coordinator. Obviously, they had, uh, you know, uh, back-to-back MVP years uh, with Nathaniel Hackett kind of at the helm. He wasn't calling the plays, but he was organizing everything behind the scenes. A lot of people just think it's, you know, the play caller is the most important thing, right? And play calling is a very, very, very important thing. Now, you guys know how I feel. I feel like this year was more LaFleur and his system, as were the previous you know, several years was a mesh of everything and Aaron Rodgers and the RPO game and, you know, Devontae Adams with his choice and option routes, things like that. I think this year we got a heavy dose of the floor uh, system. If you guys haven't, if you guys haven't seen it yet <clears throat> or heard it yet, go listen to Ryan's podcast. I believe it was from yesterday. I, I want to say it was either Tuesday. It would either have been Monday or Tuesday. Okay. And he's breaking down the Lions film and, uh, he talks about the blocking scheme. He talks about offensive linemen not being able to reach their points, where his takeaway, and I'm not trying to put words into his mouth. Feel free to ask him personally. Um, that's the last thing I want to do is, is misconstrue what other people are saying. But the vibe I got from hearing him talk about it was he's looking at it going, these offensive linemen didn't have a chance to get to the point that they needed to to block the guy that they were assigned to block. Um and, and they're running a multitude of blocking schemes, right? Uh, you've heard Coach Hahn talk about it. Maybe I need to get Coach Hahn in and let's have like a detailed talk about um, everything uh, blocking that the Green Bay did, the Green Bay Packers did this year because he's talked about duo. We've talked about zone, right? You've got pulling guards in some cases, which some people would consider power, although, you know, power can be a combination of man blocking, zone blocking. It's gotten very, very complex. And, uh, I try not to embed myself too much into that understanding because you can really get lost in it. And that's for the coaches, right? That's for people like Coach Hahn who just love that stuff, man. They absolutely thrive on it. And I would rather someone who I consider to be a professional, and that's exactly what I consider Coach Hahn to be, to chat about that stuff rather than me taking the time to try to dissect it, right? Um, but Ryan's takeaway was like, man, they didn't really have a shot. Like, you're asking Zach Tom to reach a point he's, he physically can't reach because the linebacker was, you know, two steps ahead of him, right? Um, that's the stuff I was talking about this year. That in combination with uh, the the passing concepts, the route combinations. Guys, It I hate to say it, but at times it felt like back when – and I'm going to go turn back the clock and mention a name. You're going to go, where did you get that from? <laughs> but Kyle Orton in Chicago – when he was the starting quarterback in Chicago, I can't remember who their offensive coordinator was and their head coach, and I don't want to take the time to dig it up. But I just remember us playing the Bears every year, and I felt bad for him. I was like, man, Kyle Orton, every play I watched, I'm like, Kyle Orton didn't make a mistake there. Every single route was covered up. And I would look at the route combinations. It's like it was two goals in a post. And, and all we did was ran a cover one drop or, a you know, just a – a zone blitz where AJ was patrolling the middle of the field, taking away the post, and we had guys three deep. The receivers had no leverage, no opportunity to do anything. I'm like, that's not on Kyle Orton. I felt bad for the guy. I felt like that a lot this year. Now, immediately that stamps me as a Rodgers apologist, right? But when I'm looking at some of these route combinations, it was like, man, that this is – this is elementary stuff. Well, why if it's so easy and it's so elementary, why aren't they succeeding? Because if it's elementary, the defense is going to pick this stuff apart. You're going to have games like the Detroit Lions where they're they know what you're doing, period. And that's exactly what happened. Um, 
So I really hope that they go and revamp this offense. The thing about Nathaniel Hackett being in Green Bay was Aaron Rodgers lit up with Nathaniel Hackett in Green Bay. Like He was just like, this guy is awesome. The energy he brings, he makes it fun. He keeps it interactive. Everything felt stale this year. You know, you need that guy to liven things up, to make things fun, because LaFleur is very high strung. I know a lot of people like to see him as he's a pushover, and and that may be the case. I I, I personally don't like to try and become a, a – I don't even know if the right word is. I'm so uneducated. I don't know if it's psychologist or whatever, you know, um, to, to try to understand someone's mind. Oh, that's their personality and they're this, and this is their strength and their I, – I I'm sorry, dude. That's not my role, right? But when Nathaniel Hackett was here and he livened things up, I think that helped LaFleur a lot because you can watch LaFleur on the sideline. Guys, it can be the first drive. Isn't it funny how everybody picks Aaron Rodgers apart? But, man, when things don't go LaFleur's way, you see him on the sideline dropping F-bombs and this and that. And the players see that and pick up on it. And and it's, well, they should be hard enough to handle that. I get it. But, you know, there's something that goes into having that employee, that coworker, that teammate that's like when you look next to them, they're playing loose like a Jamal Williams. And, and it's, hey, look, when you look at me like, hey, I got that guy on my side. He's a hard worker. He's going to be fundamentally sound, and he's not going to jump down my throat when things don't go right. I want to play hard for him. There's some people that respond to that. There's other people, believe it or not, that respond to Matt LaFleur um, and, and how he'll get heated at times, right? McCarthy, when he got heated at times. Aaron Rodgers getting heated at times. You know, the only problem is not everybody responds to that. So Nathaniel Hackett coming in as a senior offensive assistant at some some shape or form I think will be awesome. The only problem with that, in my opinion, is Nathaniel Hackett is going to be sought after by other teams, most likely to be their offensive coordinator. Now, he had a horrible year in Denver, yes, but he's been been around football for a very long time. I think he's going to get offers. Now, is there a chance that no offensive coordinator offers come in? Absolutely. If that's the case – I think Green Bay almost, but you know, guarantees to swoop in and grab him. Lafleur has already been in contact with Nathaniel Hackett. Okay, so Nathan, he know, Nathaniel Hackett knows we want him back in Green Bay. My guess is he's putting fillers out there through his agent, trying to figure out is there any OC jobs that I might have a shot at. Now, if he does find an OC job, then Lafleur could counter and go, "Look, we want to make you our OC." And if that's the case, they demote Stenovich back to offensive line which I think would probably be a good move um, considering the things that we just talked about that Ryan said he noticed um, in the running game, right? And the things that I noticed in the passing game, I think Nathaniel Hackett could kind of come in and help dissect. So Nathaniel Hackett's a name to keep keep an eye on. Another one is Mike, Mike LaFleur, Matt's younger brother that went to the New York Jets. And some people say, oh, well, he ruined Zach Wilson. He's the reason Zach Wilson hasn't developed. Um I, you know, typically I don't side one way or another. I kind of look at it because probably both of them, you know, uh, Zach Wilson didn't play well. Zach Wilson, in my opinion, coming out of college, I didn't look at Zach Wilson and go, wow, this, this dude's a Joe Burrow, right? I'm looking for Joe Burrows. I'm not looking for Zach Wilson's. I'm sorry. That's just the way I see that. I'm, I'm looking for a quarterback who's going to play within the scheme and, and, and really key in on those four things that I feel are important. Pre-snap read, post-snap read, accuracy, and quick release, right? I don't care about throwing off platform. I don't care how far you can throw a football across your body in gym shorts in the middle of February, right? I'm sorry. I don't care about that. I want the quarterback who's going to be fundamentally sound. I want a Tom Brady. 
I want a Joe Burrow. I want a Joe Montana. I want, what do all those guys have in common, right? Aaron Rodgers in his prime, you know? And I do want to say that with Aaron, guys, this may have been the cliff, right? But it's hilarious how when I hear people talk about Aaron Rodgers' play this year, the ones that are so negative on him, they don't even mention the broken thumb. And, and you know, maybe it wasn't the thumb. I have a hard time believing it didn't play a role, right? And people will go, well, he, he hadn't had the, the tape on it there at the end. That doesn't mean it's 100% healthy. They told they showed you in uh, the replays in the Detroit game him clutching his hand after he got hit, right? So, um, I don't know, man. Part of me wants Aaron just to retire so all this bickering is over. But the other part also, <laughs> that same part of my brain goes, Clayton, they're going to find something else to bicker about. You said the same thing about Favre. The second Favre leaves, the first couple of years was kind of rough until we win the Super Bowl there in 2010. And then all of a sudden, everything's okay for a little bit until someone decides not to get a shot. But we don't even talk about that. Um, anyway, Mike LaFleur, my take on it, I don't want him. I don't. I don't think it's good to bring in family like that um, on a staff. I think it shows nepotism. Um, I think it can cause things to get uh, very weird, you know. And, uh, you know, sometimes players – might chatter behind the scenes and ruin a, a locker room and a culture. Uh, you can bet your butt the coaches talk too, you know. And if, if you bring him in and he takes somebody else's job, what's that tell the other coaches staff? Well, he doesn't care about results. He's just going to bring his baby brother in here. I believe it's his little brother, his younger brother. Anyway, I'm not a big fan of it, although I would not be surprised if they hire him simply because, um, you know, he tried to get him last time, right? And uh, the move was blocked by Sam Fran. You can not you you can block lateral moves, uh, but you can't block promotions. So that's the reason that he went to the New York Jets was uh, because they offered him the OC position. Um, the fact that, uh, you know, uh, oh, gosh, uh, Shanahan didn't want to promote him to OC and decided to let him walk says a lot. And then, of course, the results in New York say a lot. And then, of course, uh, the fact that it could upset the coaching staff, locker room in general, I just feel like it's all negative across the board. He wants to come in and take a low position, keep his mouth shut, and Matt not treat him any different than the other co coaches. I don't think it would be an issue with it. But um, I just don't – I don't like the idea of it. Nathaniel Hackett, bring him in. Bring him in as your OC. Demote Stinovich. Guys, it didn't work. And I'm not trying to dog Stinovich, but it did not work, period. So let's go back to what did work, although you got to keep in mind we weren't running 100% of the floor system at the time. And the people that were talking about the spread offense in the Detroit game, guys, I was sitting here screaming, look, we got to spread this thing out. This is not working. And Ryan watches the tape. I'm not putting words in his mouth. I didn't, I didn't, he, I, I never heard him say spread it out, but him watching the ring, he was like, this, this is not going to work. They can't get to their spots in the running game. So, um, I think it's just important to identify those things. All right, let's move on to the next thing here because we're going to run out of time if I ain't careful. And, again, I appreciate you guys hanging out with us here in the offseason, man. It's going to be fun dissecting the stuff in the offseason. First things first, uh, the 2023 Packers future contracts, okay, futures contracts. These are players they signed off the practice uh, squad. I believe there was three other players that were signed as well. I'm going to list them out here because it's important when you're playing cash over cap and kicking the can down the road uh, like we are. Right. And, and like everybody in the NFL is everybody in the NFL is right now. Um, th these these may be important. You're going to need a few of these to hit 
and stick to the roster at a minimal cost. And again, you don't have to compete with anyone else because they were on the practice squad. You simply sign them to a futures contract, which makes them, uh, you know, you have first rights to them and they are at a very, very cheap cost. So uh, to the best of my knowledge, I believe a veteran minimum, if I remember correctly. So quarterback Danny Etling, running back Tyler Goodson, wide receiver Jeff Cotton, tight end Austin Allen, tight end Nick Gugamus, Gugamus maybe. Um, tackle Gene DeLance, defensive lineman Chris Slayton. You guys remember Slayton uh, kind of turned heads early there in the preseason and everything. Linebacker Ladarius Hamilton, he's actually a, an, an edge rusher. If I remember correctly, we had several people that liked him. Cornerback Keandre Thomas, cornerback Benji Franklin. Um, I always giggle when I see Benji Franklin. I, I just think of Benjamin Franklin out there with shoulder pads on. But anyway, safety James Wiggins, cornerback Tyrell Ford. Kicker Parker White. Okay, so those are the players that were signed to futures contracts. Just wanted to mention those. Now let's get into um, the Elton Jenkins contract extension. And there's an important reason I want to mention this. I was trying to hold off because the Packers were going on a run. There was plenty to talk about football-wise. Once they're eliminated, I'm going to kind of back up and talk a, a second about this contract because there's a couple of things that the Packers did that really, really affect the salary cap, right? Um, first of all, uh, they absorbed roughly $7 million of that contract in 2022. What does that mean? Elton was on the hook for, I think, a little over $2 million. I don't have the exact numbers there for 2022. They get this contract extension done at the last second, and what they were able to do, you guys know in the past, when they sign a contract extension like Jair's, it saved money on the front side, right? And then the next year it really hits, I think it's like $20 million as his cap hit next year, whatever it is. They did the opposite with Elton. You know, they had a surplus. And we were talking about with that surplus and the, that cap rolls over to the next year, the Packers are going to be like $2 million in the plus, right? They were going to be $2 million in the black. Some people were saying three and a half. Others were saying they were $2 million down. Um, there's a lot of things that go into there. You can only use the tools you got your hands on. And really the front office is the only people that know the exact numbers. Um, people – People never backtrack and go, hey, as I mentioned, two and a half, but they were actually one in the hole. They never mention that part. They just move on to the next thing that they want to talk about or complain about. So anyway, um, so they absorbed roughly $7 million in 2022, which made a total cap hit of $9 million in 2022. They did that to uh, soften the blow in 2023. So for all the people out there that are just screaming, all they do is put it on a credit card here, this contract – they shoved some of that up front and paid a little cash up front to help absorb the hit in 2023. Everything is setting up for Rodgers leaving, first of all, right? This, to me, it, with this move in general, it kind of makes me think the organization was thinking Rodgers is going to come back. Say what you want with that. You know what I mean? Like, do what you do what you will with that. Um, I, I still believe, I'm still sitting at, I think, 60% he retires 40% he returns is kind of the vibe I get. But I just wanted to mention that because that reduced the 2023 cap hit to $7 million. What would have been roughly $14 million on that first year, which, you know, theoretically speaking, if they'd have kept the, the same structure across the board, that's kind of how that would have played out. Um, so what it does now is reduces his cap hit in 2023 to $7 million. All right. That's a good move. But you got to take into consideration that reduces the rollover surplus. So you're basically getting the same result. You just signed Elton Jenkins. So they made a big decision signing Elton Jenkins, guys. Big decision. You didn't hear me gloating saying this is an awesome deal for the Packers because I was kind of like, maybe you let him test the market and you come back and you get him for cheaper. Let's say he tested the market and the best offer he got was $11 million per on average. 
then you can come and sweeten the pot with a little more guaranteed money and get them for thirteen uh, million per. That's going to free up roughly four million per. Just you know, kind of globally, very generically speaking. You need every every penny you can have right now when you're playing cash over cap. So um, I'm not saying I don't want Elton on the team. I'm just saying I kind of I softly push back on the excitement everybody had re-signing him. Although he's on the roster now, he's a, a great offensive lineman when he's healthy. Um, this is a guy that could prove to play left tackle if you need him to. Um, he uh, he kind of failed at right tackle, but he was still recovering from the injury. So maybe they give that a go again next year. You know, who knows? So let's move on to the roster breakdown here. This is the stuff I get excited about, and this is what I mean. Um, we're going to observe the masses and do the opposite. Um, we're going to break down the roster real quick as it sits right now, guys. I am not suggesting this is going to be the people that make the roster, but the first step looking at it through the front office's eyes is we have to field a full roster, okay? How do we do that? You start with – what you have in-house practice squad, and, and those practice squad signings and cuts all year long, guys, they've been geared around this moment right now. Not about who can practice the best during the season and prepare our team to win. They, the, there's a lot of str uh, strategy and strategic movement around players, and you're trying to – you've got an overall goal of a hat count of each position that you want on that practice squad so you can immediately move them over in futures contracts to fill out your roster for this stage in the game. So, again, I'm not suggesting these players make the roster. I'm going to simply list out what the roster looks like right now. Also, with the caveat, keep in mind, guys, that this salary cap number isn't finished. I'm not even going to get into the salary cap number because this is the point where everybody freaks out or they gloat. And this number is going to be so different as we move along into the into the offseason. I mean, you've seen that when they were, what was it? They were almost 30 million over the cap. And then the next day they were under the cap with the Zadarius uh, cut. And then, of course, the Devontae Adams trade, all those things that can happen in, in a blink. I don't want to waste too much energy on that because remember, the goal is to make the team better, not worry about how pretty the cap looks. We'll leave that to the cap gurus on Twitter that like to claim that they uh, are financial geniuses. Okay, so with that. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Here goes the roster as it sits right now. Quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, Danny Etling, okay? That's three quarterbacks on the roster. They'll only carry two. If Rodgers returns, it'll be Rodgers and Love, obviously. Um, you know, is there, a, is there a chance they trade Love? I don't think so, but... 
Never say never, but never, right? Danny Etling, if Rodgers returns, will be on the practice squad again or he'll be cut out, right? But if Rodgers retires, that's the big question. Is is Aaron Rodgers returning? Okay, and that's the question I've got right next to him. Notice I didn't say, are they going to trade Aaron Rodgers? Because to me, that's such a long shot. It's not impossible, but it's such a long shot. I think he's either going to return or he's going to retire. One thing I think could happen, and I'm trying to stay very, very quiet on it, is if he does return, I wonder if he's going to be willing to restructure the contract. Now, there's some people right now that, ooh, their nose flared up. or They're like, how dare this guy? Because they want him to be the villain so bad, right? That's cool. I'm just going to leave it at that. But that has happened in the past with your Tom Brady's and other quarterbacks, okay? Now, it could be, let's set a specific deadline. It could be, what do you think of the roster? Aaron could have went in there and said, hey, I'm coming back. I've done made up my I'm, – I'm like 95% sure I want to come back. Um, and they looked at the roster and said, okay, we're going to have to cut this guy. We're going to have to cut that. We're going to have to negotiate here. We're going to have to – you know, that could have been the conversation too. But the number one question is Aaron Rodgers returning. If he returns, Etling is gone. Love is the backup, right? Now, Jordan Love, fifth-year option. I don't like the idea of them – locking him into the fifth-year option. But if they think he is the quarterback of the future, and that's all that matters, it doesn't matter what Clayton Bailey thinks, it doesn't matter what Ryan Schlipp thinks, it doesn't matter what uh, any other Packer fan out there thinks about Jordan Love. The organization, and I think Goody even said, yeah, they've already seen enough to know that he's a starting quarterback, right, um, or know what they got there. Um, the fifth-year option, if they can't reach a long-term contract, let's, let's assume the front office thinks, knows, and appreciates the fact that Jordan Love is the quarterback of the future for the Green Bay Packers, right? Aaron comes back for one more year, and then we step into the Jordan Love era. Let's assume that's the case. you got two options, fifth-year option, or you can re-sign him to a contract, right? Um, now, is he going to be willing to take what they're willing to offer, right? And I personally think his value, if you think he's a starting quarterback, is probably going to be around $20 million per year, right? Two reactions right now. Somebody's going, oh, there's no way I'm paying him $20 million per year. And then there's others going, you think he's only going to take $20 million per year? Uh, one of you may be right. You both may be right in some crazy, crazy way, right? <laughs> but when you re-sign him, what you're able to do is now maneuver that money around. If you go with the fifth-year option, it essentially acts like a franchise tag where it's 100% guaranteed. That fifth-year option is going to be a little over $20 million the last I checked. You cannot maneuver that money around. That's a $20 million cap hit for 2024, and you can't do a dang thing about it. That's why it's important to re-sign him rather than fifth-year option. However, if Rodgers retires, then you're going to be freeing up a little bit of cap and other restructures you got, it's there, right? Essentially what you're doing, Rodgers' cap hit this year, if I remember correctly, I'm just going to glance real quick. I don't want to mislead you here. It's $31.6 million this year, right? Um, I think what's going to end up happening – if Rodgers does return, is there's going to be some kind of restructure in the contract. There's going to be some details that emerge that people didn't know about. You know, I, I played it again for a guy on Twitter yesterday who was talking about the $90 million they can't get out of and this and that, and I just simply hit play on the podcast, recorded it, and shot it over to him where it was Mark Rogers, uh, Russell uh, Russ Wilson's uh, super agent, and Andrew Brandt, a guy who spent like 30-plus years um, in the NFL, he's been on the executive side with the Green Bay Packers. He's been on the agent side with the players at times, um, you know, doing work on both ends. He understands the game in and out. They both said nobody knows what this contract is. Only people that know is uh, 
is David Dunn, Aaron's agent, and Aaron Rodgers, basically. And, you know, if you listen to Mark talk about it, he's like, this is an outlier. And he was getting defensive like, this has nothing to do with any future quarterbacks. I don't know why Aaron chose it to, chose to do it this way, but he did. But that doesn't set the market for the rest. But he understands how this deal was catered to be maneuverable for the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to leave it at that. I don't know more than that super agent and that former executive. And like I told the guy on Twitter, if you do, kudos. I don't. That's not me, man. Sorry, I don't. I, I don't have that kind of. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have that kind of confidence in myself to pretend like I understand uh, contractually what what the league, what teams, what players are looking for to do to maneuver around the cap more than a former executive and a super agent. That's just me personally. So um, I just wanted to mention that real quick. All right. And that was important. Um, so another thing, back to the Elton Jenkins contract. I'm sorry, I don't mean to backtrack, but I just want to point it out. 2023, um, the uh, cap hit, it's showing uh, for the cap hit $7 million, right? So 2022 was $9 million. And then in 2024, it jumps to 14 and a half million, then to 17 million, then to 24. There's no way he's going to see that 2026 number. It'll be restructured or uh, him uh, let go, traded or whatever at that point, um, which that's how contracts work. I know people don't like that, but that is the case in my opinion. So um, fifth year option order re-signed. I just want to point that out with Jordan Love. In my opinion, if Aaron returns, what I'd like to see him do is go ahead and extend Jordan Love if they think he's the quarterback of the future. If not, you maybe you maybe even let him walk. I know that sounds silly. Now, could you trade him? Absolutely, you could trade him. Um, you could you could try to trade him and and get some compensation. Um, if you trade him, that's assuming the front office doesn't think he's the guy of the future. Okay. Um, if you keep him, they're saying he's a starting quarterback and he's the guy of the future. I trust the front office in that regard. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I understand evaluating quarterbacks better than the front office. That's just the way I look at it. Let's move along here because we're kind of falling behind. I knew that would be the tough one to move past because the Aaron Rodgers decision is uh, is very, very big. And the people that are saying he's holding them hostage is just silly. You know, Drew Brees made his decision in March. Um, Peyton Manning, I think, when, when you're drug it out that April, I think. I can't, like, they listed off all these quarterbacks and how long they drug out their retirement – Guys, he ain't holding anybody hostage. That's just silly. If you don't like the guy, say you don't like him. I can respect the opinion. But to sit here and pretend like here the playoff, we we literally aren't even to the wild card round, and there's people saying that he's holding them hostage. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, so the second the game's over, all right, give us your decision. You're either coming back or you get out of here. That's silly, man. It, it's just the, the standard they hold that guy to other than, you know, compared to other people is crazy. All right, halfback. We've got four on the roster. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. Uh, we got Taylor and we got Goodson, okay? Now, Aaron Jones, are we going to restructure his deal or are we going to renegotiate it? What does that mean? Restructuring, meaning cash over cap, kick the can down the road, maneuver some money around, and free up space now, right? The goal is to get back under the cap as soon as possible, okay? Uh, now, with Aaron retiring, that frees up $15 million. You look up and you go, Hark. We're under the cap, right? And we re-signed Elton Jenkins. So that was your big free agency move so far. In other restructures, like I mentioned before, they were showing somewhere around, um, you know, 30 to 40 million in simple restructures with a maximum of 60 to 70 in maximum restructures that could possibly take place. Um, we won't get into all that talk right now, but Aaron Jones is one of those players that come into play there. Got a huge cap hit this year. I don't think he'll play for that full 20 million cap hit. Let me make sure that number is right. 
<clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, cap hit this year is going to be $20 million. I don't think that they'll just roll with the way it is. I think he'll either restructure or they'll renegotiate. Re- restructuring meaning cash over cap. Renegotiating simply meaning he, he took a pay cut, right? And Aaron Jones may do that. Um, I don't like to get in those conversations because I'm telling other people, uh, you know, how much money they should or should not take. I'm not one of those people in society that likes to spend other people's money because they're doing good. I think that's silly. Um, AJ Dillon, you know, he's going into the last year of his contract, if I remember correctly. Um, does he resign? Is that your running back of the future? Man, going into the year, I like the idea of uh, continuing to move forward with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and just passing the baton to A.J. Dillon and find another third down back uh, to replace Aaron Jones when he decides to hang it up, move on, whatever. But A.J. Dillon, man, he had a great, you know, according to PFF, he had a great year grade-wise. But his pass blocking, man, oh, goodness, it's hard to watch. The drops, you know, the drops finally emerged here, right? You know, uh, and I'm not talking about the one with – where Aaron threw it behind him, that that Ryan kind of broke down. I, I agree with Ryan on that. You know, Aaron, you know, Aaron was in the wrong there as much as AJ Dillon was, but two wrongs definitely don't make a right, and that's how you lose at Detroit by three points with the playoffs on the line. But AJ Dillon is he going to resign? Right? Of course, you got Taylor and Goodson. Let's move on to wide receiver. We got five on the roster. First of all, quarterback. The roster is filled out right now. Right now, whether Rogers leaves or stays, you've got enough on the roster to fill the roster. That's the goal right now is to fill out the roster and go, We if the season started tomorrow, we could get under the cap and we got enough players on our roster to play. That doesn't mean it makes the team better, right? And I'm not saying this is the final product. That's the first stage in the game here in the offseason. Wide receiver, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Samori Torre, Jeff Cotton, and Bo Melton. Those are your wide receivers right now. you got five on the roster. That's enough to fill the roster. Again, the on, only the top 51 on the roster are going to count towards the cap, so you could add others that won't even count towards your cap. Uh, to kind of fill that out that you could activate on game day as well and maneuver around it that way. We're too early in the game to even mention that. I just want to say right now with wide receivers, you got enough to fill the team, okay? Um, Christian Watson, I think going into the season, he's your number one receiver. He's obviously a deep threat. He's shown he can come across the middle on the slants and the crossers, the climb routes, things like that. Um, He showed good double move ability. He's shown that he can be a possession receiver. He showed that he can high point the ball, and he's definitely got the speed to beat a uh, defense deep. He's the number one receiver on the roster. Dobbs, is he a solid number two? That's the question. Is Romeo Dobbs a solid number two? Some people are going right now here in my voice. They're going, yes, he is. I'm not that confident. Um, Can he be a number three? I feel way more confident that he can be a number three receiver. Guys, he had some crucial drops in that Detroit game. He's still a rookie, still learning, right? He's going to be going into the sophomore season. A complete offseason is going to help a lot. But that's the question to me is, is he a solid number two? Because we need a number two receiver, right? We really, I would like to see him be able to get a number one receiver. If Rodgers retires and you do simple restructures and free up a bunch of cap room, and you're going to get aggressive. Go get a number one receiver for the future, right? And you pair him one A, one B with Christian Watson. That's been the blueprint this year for success for the the offenses that have done good. It's all across the board. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk in San Fran. In Seattle, it was DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. In Miami, it was Jalen Waddle and Tariq Hill. Right, all across the board, the good, the good offense. Heck, even in Tampa, you know, Mike Evans being that solid number one wide receiver was the reason they strung together the uh, the wins that they did and snuck into the playoffs. Right, I mean, you can look at it everywhere. The Philadelphia Eagles. Look at the Philadelphia Eagles. They went and traded for A.J. Brown. Made a ton of difference, ton of difference. 
the offense. Now, granted, they're run heavy and they like to run the RPRs and the six-back system and all that. That's, you know, there's a lot that goes into Philly, but it's very important. That's the question I got. Samori Torrey, I got a question here. Is he a number three receiver? Can he play the slot too? Because we're filling that void for slot. What you had at times is you had Alan Lazard playing in the slot. You had Randall Cobb playing in the slot. I think at times you had Dobbs playing in the slot. And sometimes we can overthink the slot wide receiver position, but at the same time, we need a couple guys on the on in the wide receiver room that can fill that that role there, right? Assuming that Lazard and Cobb don't return. Now, Jeff Cotton, obviously, Bo Melton, they're just filling the room. Um, I think it's uh, very, very uh, unlikely that they even make the 53 or the uh yeah, the 53-man roster. But, again, you got enough to fill out the room, so that's important there. Move on to tight end. <clears throat> Josiah DeGuara, uh, Gugimus, Gugimus, I don't even know how to say his name, and you got Allen, and then that's it. You've only got three on the roster. In my opinion, you've got to have a minimum of four tight ends. Now, they may not have broke camp. I don't remember if they broke camp with three tight ends or not. And if they didn't, um, in a lot of cases, you get the practice squad and, and players on that that full roster that you can activate for game day, you know, stuff like that that they did with, you know, Tyler Davis pretty much played the entire year. And it's funny, we were like, there's no way he makes the team. And he was in the lineup all year long. Whether that's good or bad, um, I don't know. Probably more bad than good, but that's that's how they rounded that out. But DeGuara, what's the question there? Can he contribute in all three roles? What's that mean? As an attached tight end, as a Flex tight end. You heard me say on, on Chalk Talk all year long in the breakdown of the play call, right, and setting the field for you guys on the pod, why flex, why flex, why flex, right? Why did I say that? Or why boundary? Why did I say that? Why flex, meaning a tight end, you know, completing an 11 personnel or a 12 personnel or whatever, why flex, the tight end was flexed out into a wide receiver position, whether it was on the boundary or just there in the slot. Now, can DeGuara do that? I want to say no. All we've seen him do is play H-back. At times, he played well at H-back, you know, digging out some of these defenders in the running game. Um, I think he's more of an H-back. So with that being said, you need a tight end. The glaring need on offense for me is tight end. So if you're going to be aggressive in free agency once you get the cap and everything straightened out or, you know, looking at the draft, you're starting to understand how my blueprint's coming into play here, Right. Um, tied in is going to be at the top of the list for me, man. I'm just telling you. And that's the reason because you don't even have enough to field a team right now. If you go out there with three tight ends that they needed to play a ball game today, you go out there with three tight ends, one goes down, you, you, your 12 and 13 personnel is completely taken out of the playbook. And that's the number one thing you want to prevent. Offensive line, you got Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Runyon, Myers, Tom, Newman, Jones, Walker, Ryan, and Delance. You've got 10 there. I personally think you could, you could, uh, you could operate with eight offensive linemen. Um, some people would say that's cutting it way too close. Uh, you know, nine, maybe that's a sweet spot. Maybe you stay with 10. But you've got more than enough offensive linemen to field a team. Here's the questions. Bakhtiari, do you restructure or renegotiate that deal, right? The restructure aspect, there's not much there yet. I feel like I feel like it's going to be next year um, when you can really capitalize that, on that. Um, but uh, as far as renegotiating, maybe Bach and Aaron get together, and they're willing to renegotiate a bit, free up some cap room. Who knows? Jenkins, do you try Elton Jenkins at right tackle again now that he's completely healthy? That's going to be a question that's asked over and over and over. I'm not saying that I agree with asking the question. Um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I've got the answer. But uh, it's 
it's no secret that the offensive line settled down when Jenkins went back to left guard, and they kind of put that to bed, right? Um, Runyon, I think, is solid at right guard. Nothing really to talk about there. Myers, do we improve uh, through addition? Um, when Ryan talked about this on his podcast, I was clapping. I was giving a standing ovation. Because when I look at Josh Myers, we could get a lot better at center, guys. And center is a second-tier position on offense for me of importance. Quarterback left tackle is your first tier, second tier. The only the only position I had immediately before was center. Now I'm saying center and wide receiver because I got burned last year thinking that we could just uh, replace Devontae Adams through scheme, although that might have been on the coaches. Uh, yeah, that's a topic for another day. So, um, Myers, maybe you look to uh, get better there. Zach Tom, can he handle right tackle? I think he can handle right tackle personally. You know, there was a couple plays that happened there, uh, even when Yash was in the game. And then, of course, when when Yash left and Zach Tom uh, sprung in, that one sack, that was on Runyon pushing the guy out. And it was a freak play. Runyon popped over and laid a laid a thump on a guy to, to help there. I think it was Aiden Hutchinson, if I remember correctly. And it literally gave him momentum around the end and ended up hurting him more than it helped him. I don't think that, you know, that's a play that happens a lot. I think it was just a freak play and it resulted in a sack because it was – you know, pressure pick, coverage sacks, right? Good coverage down the field. Aaron tried to step up. The rush was on him. And it was mainly because Runyon helped kick that guy out when he was simply – when you when you put two people on one guy, in Aaron's mind, when that ball snapped and he knows Runyon and Yash slash or Zach Tom is responsible for one guy, I don't even have to think over there. And then you step up in the pocket and you get hit by the guy that two men were supposed to block. That's a bad look, right? But – can Zach Tom handle right tackle? So your options at right tackle right now are Elton Jenkins and Zach Tom. Zach Tom, in my opinion, does not play well at guard, right? So I think he's more of a tackle than a guard, which is odd because, you know, I don't know. Maybe the times have passed this thinking by, but in the past I've kind of looked at it like, man, I'll tell you what, um, you know, pretty much any tackle can play guard. That is not the case today with how complex that these schemes have gotten and how different the two positions are. That would definitely be a topic, a good topic to talk to uh, um, Coach Hahn about. So there's that. Let's move on to defense, okay? Defense. And I'm not going to talk about special teams much today. We could talk about that later. Defensive side of the ball, you've got five defensive linemen on the roster. you got Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, uh, TJ Slayton, uh, Jonathan Ford, and Chris Slayton. Okay, now the only question I have is TJ Slayton a starter. That's going to be very important for me. What do I mean by starter? When we come out in a 34 base, can he handle that third defensive lineman position? You know, he had his best game of his career a couple games ago, right? Um, I think he checked that box, but I wanted to list the question because I didn't know how you guys felt about it. If, if you disagree, agree, have a comment on it, um, feel free to shoot me an email, um, PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. I'd love to chat with you about it. But having five defensive linemen, I feel pretty comfortable with those five. But, uh, you know, having six, if someone comes out and you play a San Francisco where you're playing a lot of 34, it'd be nice to have a backup at all three defensive line positions, right? I'd, I'd rather carry six. But I didn't list it as we've got we need another one to fill out the roster here because there's so many teams that play nickel, right? Which of course is eleven personnel, which will trigger Green Bay's nickel defense, whether it's a you know three, four, five or or a, I'm sorry, a a two, four, five or uh, other some other kind of hybrid look. All right. So the only question I got there is if you think TJ Slayton can handle a starting defensive line, uh, lineman position in the 34 front, then we're in pretty good shape. 
why I've seen enough of Wyatt that I think Wyatt can be a huge contributor. I think he's ready to start step into that starting role. He's ready to take over where Jaron Reed and uh, Dean Lowry left off. I think he could play just as good as those guys. The only thing that bothers me or worries me, why did he not get more snaps? Because when he played in that final game, right, uh, the final couple games there, played pretty solid. Snap count went up. Like, I think it was Minnesota, if I remember correctly. Um, I don't want to misspeak, but he showed, like, Real promise when he had additional snaps. But, again, these coaches understand football more better than I do, right? Why was he not getting more snaps? There's got to be something there. Is he – you know, is he weak in the running game and he's just a really good pass rusher? Is it – is he, you know, weak in the pass rush and really good at run stuffing and he just kind of caught lightning in the bottle there those one or two games where he got significant snaps? I don't know. But – uh I, I feel comfortable with Clark, Wyatt, Slayton. Not that if someone falls in your lap that's a generational talent, guys, it doesn't matter how how good you are at any of these positions. If you have a generational talent fall in your lap, you take them and you make your football team better. I'm not one of these guys that that look at it from like, well, I know that guy's a Ray Lewis, but, uh, man, we really need this position. Can't take him. That's crazy. That is absolute – that's clown show stuff. So, all right. On to edge, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Enigbare, Garvin, and Hamilton, okay? Now, the first thing, the only question I've got with the edge position here is, um, you know, again, we're just trying to fill the roster right now in this stage. Rashawn Gary, how long is he going to be on IR? Is it going to be midseason? Is it going to be the last third of the season? Um, does he come out like a freak of nature that he is and he's ready, you know, three, four games into the season? That's a question. You got to prepare for the worst and hope for the best, right? So I'm assuming he won't be ready till the second half of the season. With that being said, you got Preston Smith and Enigbare, the two edge rushers that you pretty much played the entire year with when Rashawn Gary went out. <clears throat> I think I've seen enough that I feel comfortable with those being the starters. Again, at this stage, you're just trying to fill the fill the roster, and then Garvin and Hamilton will round out your edge position. Okay, linebacker uh, Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker. Um, Isaiah McDuffie, and that's it. Guys, you got to have four linebackers on this roster unless you've got an edge that can help fill in for inside linebacker. You know, Quay could probably fill in at edge if in a pinch, right? But we got to have another linebacker. Barnes isn't coming back. You don't have anybody on the roster right now to fill that fourth spot. That is a top need to fill the roster right now, okay? Uh, moving on to corner. Well, first of all, Devondre Campbell, Good to go there. Quay Walker Quay Walker showed a lot. If he keeps his emotions in check and he improves and uh, and gets a little bit better in the running game, then I think that, uh, you know, the run defense game, then I think Quay Walker can be a solid starter. Now, his PFF suggests he had a horrible year. I seen that on tape. I did. I, I seen it on tape. Great tackle numbers. Got, what, one and a half sacks. Played great in coverage. But there was times it's like, man, he really got washed out of that play. You know, and and it is concerning. It's a first round pick, but um, right now that's that's how we're rolling. Campbell, Walker, McDuffie. We've got to get another inside linebacker, cornerback. Yeah, Alexander, Douglas, Stokes, Gene Charles, Gaines, Thomas, and Franklin. Um, I think Franklin will be cut. You know, you've got seven corners there. You you know, you only really need five, especially with safeties being able to to help in a in a pinch and diamond quarter coverage. Um, but uh, 
you definitely don't want to carry seven. Obviously, Franklin is just an extra body there, and that's okay. Maybe there's something they see there. Um, man, I ain't ruling anything out after seeing what Keyshawn Nixon did on kick returns, right? Um, all right, so let's bounce back. Douglas, Rasul Douglas. Are you going to play him at boundary or slot? What's the question on Stokes? Are you going to play him at boundary or slot? I personally think it should be Alexander on the boundary. Guys, there's a few things that happen when this defense turned things around in the second half of the season. One of those is Devondre Campbell got healthy. Another is Stokes went out with an injury. I'm not wishing injury on anyone, right? Um, but these DBs got better without Stokes. That's the fact of the matter. Now, was it a fluke? Stokes could come out next year and play starting caliber football. That's great. One thing's for sure, you're weak at safety. We'll talk about that here in a second. If you're playing Savage in the slot, then that means Stokes isn't on the field until dime coverage, right? So if you're going to move Savage back to safety, then what do you do on the boundary? Because if he goes back to safety, you've got it's it's going to come down to Alexander Douglas or Stokes being the slot corner when you're in 11 personnel. Maybe they mix that up a bit. I believe at the end of the year I read that they were allowing Douglas and Jair to determine pre-snap which position they were going to play, not necessarily slot, but just which boundary and all that. They were mixing things up themselves on the field. Sounds like they've got a lot of freedom to do the things they want to do in this defense. But that's the two questions I've got for the cornerback position, boundary or slot, Douglas and Stokes. Um, and, again, we can't just assume that Stokes is going to come out and play starting caliber because he was not playing starting caliber before he went down with the injury. All right, safety. Um you got five on the roster right now. You got Darnell Savage, Vernon Scott. You got Wiggins, Ford, and Carpenter. Carpenter is listed as a linebacker on Spotrack. I disagree with that. I think he's more of a safety. So just keep that in mind that Carpenter may be that fourth linebacker. And if that's the case, your roster is filled. Um, and uh, if he's a safety, then you got depth and maybe he could be a starting caliber safety, you know, moving forward with a full camp. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying that's kind of the question. Um, Savage, does he stay in the slot or does he go back to safety? That's the big question there. Vernon Scott, is he starting caliber? Can Vernon Scott, being in this system for as long as he has, he's been on and off the practice squad. He's, he's filled in in a pinch uh, here or there and on special teams. Could we plug him in at starter? My initial response is absolutely not. But look what Rudy Ford did starting as a safety. And I still want Rudy Ford back. Notice I'm not mentioning any of the free agents, right? Because this is just simply at this stage, what do we have with the futures contracts and how do, how the roster fills out right now? Um, but Vernon Scott, what do we really have there? I want to say no. There's no way he could be starting caliber. But I would have said the same thing about Rudy when they signed him. And you guys know I seen him after one game, and I was the president of the Rudy fan club. I'm like, Rudy Ford – is a starting safety right now. Put his butt on the field and get Savage out of there. Um, I wish they'd have done it a little bit early, but um, there's reasons for everything, I'm sure. So Savage, does he does he stay in the slot or does he start at safety? Vernon Scott, can he start? Uh, Wiggins and Ford are just kind of bodies right now. And then Carpenter, is he a linebacker or a safety? And can he contribute on defense, not, not just special teams? So those are the questions I got. Let's wrap this thing up. The two things that I came away with that we absolutely have needs for with the roster and the shape it's in right now at this extremely early stage is tight end and uh, linebacker slash safety. I'm going to say safety and go with Carpenter would fill in at linebacker in a pinch now that Barnes is gone. Okay, so what are your top needs at this point in the game right now? Tight end and safety, period. Case closed. Guys, there are these little, uh, you know, 
breadcrumbs, right? That if you really zero in and pay attention to what's going on with the team and the roster building aspect, there's these little hints that the front office is leaving you. You know, you the old saying, uh, you know, when when someone's kind of keep trying to keep information for competitive uh, advantage or competitive balance, I should say. Um, sometimes it's what they don't say that is louder than what they actually say, right? And those are the two things that when you look at the roster as it sits, the glaring hole for me is safety and tight end, right? That's the thing. In my opinion, you don't even have a starting caliber safety on the roster right now. In my opinion, you don't even have a starting caliber tight end on the roster right now. So guess what Clayton's going to be digging into as far as rookies and free agency? You guessed it, tight end and safety. So that's how I see it. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Again, just an early breakdown of the roster, how it sits right now. Guys, this could change in a blink in no way, shape, or form. Am I saying this is the roster they're going to move forward with? Um, I'm just simply saying this is how they structure their practice squad and their futures contracts to step into the offseason and go, okay, we got 61 people on the roster. The two glaring holes to me are tight end and safety. We've got to shave off roughly. Some people were saying 12 million. Others are saying 14 million. Now that uh, we see the complete restructure and in uh, the uh, you know the Elton Jenkins contract and how it lays out, you chose to pay a little bit up front here to save some money on the backside and be able to free yourself up to get out of some of the money on the backside. Um, so for those of you who are really, really tore up over salary cap and all this and, 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 you know, not just swapping it on a credit card and not paying cash, give the front office a hand. They did exactly what you wanted them to do with the Elton Jenkins contract. Okay. So, um, not trying to be, uh, you know, a rear end here, but that's exactly what they did with it. So you got to give them kudos there. If you're going to complain about them kicking the can down the road everywhere else, then you got to give them kudos with that. Okay. Last thing I'm going to say. We're still putting all the names together for the people who donated. So we're going to be announcing the uh, the winner of the Paul Horning jersey very, very soon. I got to get all that into the database. My God, it's going to be rough getting every all the entries in there. Spin the wheel, see who wins that autographed Paul Horning jersey, and we'll get that away to you guys. And then we'll start kind of brainstorming for the next giveaway. So appreciate you guys tuning in here. Hope you guys and gals have an awesome, awesome Thursday afternoon. As always, let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world, and go Pack Go. And just to go.